Oh, yeah. Oh, we're going. Okay. We're on. Hey, Merry Happies, everybody. Merry Happy to you. Yeah, Merry Happy. (laughs) It's no longer PC to say Happy Holidays. You have to say Merry Happy now. Really? Yeah. Didn't you hear about the war on holidays? I did hear about this. (laughs) Stinky is uh, so hardcore about bringing Christmas back that his name is now (laughs) Christmas. Yes, I saw this and yes. listened to it as well. Stinky the Game hey. Master, my name is Christmas. <laughs> Stinky the Game Master put out his fifth and Christmas album. Fifth and a half. Uh, if you're new to the show and yeah. the program, be sure to go on, on over to stinky.sexy. Oh. That is a real website. Yeah, he's having problems with it. I don't think it's updated with the newest stuff, but it hopefully it will be. Well, the soon. old albums are on there, and yeah. there's even a uh, Nintendo game. That you can you know download the ROM and play in oh, your right. favorite emulator. Yeah, Pack Stink uh, Fever. Yeah, so so be sure oh. sure to check out all of Stinky's content over there at Stinky.sexy. Indeed, just want to say a little bit more about his new Christmas album. Please. Uh. Yeah. Rapping ain't easy, huh? Pimping ain't easy. Oh, right, right. Man. That's it. and Christmas ain't easy either. I can't remember what the hell I was going to say. He's got a long nose. I don't mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. My Aunt Suni was uh, at Christmas dinner, and we were talking about Stinky and showing her photos of his album and playing a little bit of his songs. And um, my favorite cousin, Kimberly, she loves Stinky's Christmas albums that are in a playlist on um, Bionic Wiggly on the YouTube. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, she wanted to send it to all of her friends like immediately that that playlist because that, that's she, right. There's some great Yulog-esque videos mm-hmm. available to watch with these albums. This year's he did a Yulog-y one, but with uh, the Christmas bubble candles in a candelabra. Yeah. In the 19- you ever shatter one of those in your hand as a child? I, always. Yeah, me too. I try to do one a year. I try to bite it. <laughs> ow, ow, ow. You know those little poppers that you throw at people. Uh-huh. You know, that goes when they hit the sidewalk or something. Got some sure. gunpowder in with some snaps, gravel or whatever. I think they're called as well. snaps. I used to like to bite those. Wow. And uh, yeah, my name's Wiggly. How's that the... IBS? Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, you know what? Maybe I should stick a couple of uh, uh, cats. What do you call it? Black cats. Mm-hmm. Stick a couple black cats up my ass. Maybe that will help explode my. My poops back up into my uh, lower GI. Maybe I'll go even to yeah, my upper GI. You haven't been feeling good, huh? I've been bad. Yeah. I've been, I've been, I've been sick for about a month and a half. I've been, like, sick in the head. Sure. My sinuses have finally, like, cleared up. I, I've been able to sleep through a night without not breathing. So yeah, well, I, I saw online uh, you were sharing that you've taken up the hobby of huffing spray can paint. <laughs> that was... That was that was gasoline poisoning and and yeah. pain poisoning. Yeah, that's different. That's that's a little bit different. This gotcha. was sin- maybe. Hey, maybe it did clear my sinuses out. I don't maybe know. That's what. Uh, yeah, I'm just can either just confirm or deny. Yeah. So I'm Wiggly on the uh, electronic device. Is Kyle not Bunch. Johnny Capcom? Unfortunately, I'm sorry, everybody. Yeah. Please stop yelling at your radio. Doesn't help. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm Kyle Von Kubik, and uh, it's been a while since the two of us have been on to record a program together. That's what you would um, think. Yeah, that's what you'd think. <laughs> so let's get caught up. Christmas passed, Stinky's album's out, we're in a new year. 
I want to dial it back to because this is a what you've been playing, right? We're doing a what what you've been playing. Well, we, I think this is a what you've been hacking. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we, you're spoiling we my gimmicks, buddy. Oh, but, you know, if, if you can, if you can read the podcast feed, you're downloading this from. I, I think you already know what we're going to talk about. But this regardless. is only our second bobble breakout bonus level that we used to do from the older uh, the good old program. days. Yeah, the older for- format program before we went to Arcade Weekly. We did a bobble on such type things in a very delicate way, but it's a, it's a very legal way as well. Sure. Um, as long as you're not out there making money off of ROMs and you're a home user. Mm, blah, blah, I want to talk blah, about blah, blah, that blah. too a little bit. Okay. A few months back, I was talking about how I got the SNES Classic, or the Mini, as it's called. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first thing I did right away was play Earthbound on it. Yeah. And I didn't do much else with it. I want to talk said, about Earthbound. I'm never going to hack my system. Right, right. So I it's, talked about yeah, how you know, these are curated consoles, why yeah. would you bother doing it? Well, right. I also ended up picking up the original Nintendo Classic Mini. But I hadn't opened it until about Thanksgiving. Oh, oh I thought uh, that's what you were talking about. I'm sorry. No, no, no. So, you know, no, on previous oh, episodes, you're right. I, I did say we were talking about the arcade one-up okay. cabinets being yeah, yeah, modded. Yeah. I was talking about these Nintendo Classic consoles being modded. And, of course, we've been talking about the uh, PlayStation Classic. Oh, boy. Mm. I don't know if you've been following the news on that one. <laughs> that was a big price drop. Uh, within five weeks of its release. No, immediately. It from, immediately. Oh, yeah, immediately it went to $75, and now yeah, I believe that you can get 20. it for like half a bag of Funyuns and a Fresca. <laughs> immediately it came with a 20 or $25 gift certificate from like everybody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, wow. The PlayStation Classic got released like bowels after you ate cheap uh, Mexican food. <laughs> <laughs> immediately it got torn apart. The best reviews I saw were, were just saying, well, if for some reason you don't have a PlayStation 1 or can't find one at a thrift store and you can't find these games at a garage sale and you want to play something that's really antiquated as far as graphical mm-hmm. polygonal limitations, then mm-hmm. maybe you'll want to wait for this to have a price drop. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, that was the kindest words people could put there. Otherwise, people just like, gutted this thing yeah. uh and, and they did just, before it even was released it, yeah of course that. i mean we were talking about it mm-hmm. but they, you know it came out once the thing was released that people were looking into it and seeing that there were pal roms that were <laughs> being played on north american consoles mm-hmm. and the reason that I, i've read is because in certain markets like Canada, you have to have the option of having French or, you know, mm. give another market where there's there's bilingual country, you have to have both options. So instead of spending the money to have a switch between languages or between, what is it, NTSC? NTSC or PAL, yeah. Yeah, or PAL, they just put the PAL up first, even though the NTSC was also on the console. Mm. So the, the things run in poor frame rates. And then I sent you the article about how the Super Nintendo Mini <laughs> can play the PlayStation games or the PlayStation ROMs better than the PlayStation <laughs> Classic. Can. Anyway, yeah. everyone's tore this thing apart. Well, you know, we're you, talking have a, about you have a wider screen on your 16 by 9 so actually mm-hmm. a PAL format would be a little bit better. Not yeah, much. But the the still, frame rate's still. different, though. I know, frame rate's different. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff. But, I mean, as far, far as uh, the aspect ratio, 
uh, Powell always had that little more rectangular. Yeah. But then again, the Sony games, they were almost square. You know, yes. on your TV screen, they they, they, yeah, they didn't always go full I joked in the past screen. that eventually with retro gaming or neo-retro or indie games that want to look like a 16-bit and 8-bit, you brought this up to previous mm-hmm. episodes, that I said, well, one day people are going to be nostalgic for shitty polygonal graphics. Mm-hmm. And there are defenders for this console, but honestly, I think most mainstream gamers, especially around our age, look at the polygonal capabilities of the original PlayStation, especially those early, early titles. Yeah, they just pre- went for Dual the wrong Shock. titles. That's, that's yeah, the whole it, thing, you know? Those games age like milk. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. It, you don't want to play them. They're ugly. PlayStation 1 had some great games. Yeah, the This wasn't the best of it. And with the, we with don't the have nice to go through this again. I mean, we, and everything yeah, like that. We talked about it, mm-hmm. but I just thought it was very funny that, you know, from prediction to the release of the games to this thing comes out and yes, they were giving away gift. They're please take this off the floor. Even sort worse of mentality with the retailers, than, even worse than we expected. Honestly. Yeah. I, you know, I thought that there would be a price drop. I didn't think it would happen immediately. Mm-hmm. Maybe there'd be some shelf rot through the holiday season. And then come January, if you'd see this thing drop to 60 bucks, I believe it dropped under 60 before Christmas hit. Wow. Yeah. So, well, Sony, that's what you get for putting out shit. See, it's a, it's a completely different market, I think. It, I mentioned this before. We don't live in Japan. So the thing mm. that sold the PlayStation... We don't? <laughs> not anymore. We were kicked out by um, a Trump-built wall. Oh, uh, right, right. <laughs> it was a beautiful wall of steel slats. But it's steel slats wall. It looks like chain link, but... It, okay. Anyway, yeah, um... Oh, there's a white cat. Reverse Mr. Peabody drinking from my fish pond. I get a usually squirrel. Um, the play, what was I talking about? God you were saying damn. that the market for this or the... Oh, cons- yes, the, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You know, in America, we were sold basically uh, sports saved the, the PlayStation 1, I think. I, I would agree with that. Or it was, it was, fighting games. It was, yeah, it was the um, same thing that had, in my opinion, the PlayStation got ground and a footing in America because, one, it looked better than anything else out there at the time. But yeah. also, yes, it had that whole Sega feel about it, which Sega was extremely popular in America because of what was perceived as more adult games, which boiled down mm. to mm-hmm. fighting games because of blood being a part of the game, or racing games, or sports games. You know, that's what Sega was really known for in America. They weren't known for the 80-hour, 90-hour, 100-hour JRPG, Mm -hmm. or the cutesy platformer. They had those, but that's not why most people in the Genesis heyday owned a Sega. Can I just say something real quick about sports? It's funny, right before I jumped on, I pulled out one of my really old iPods, and I have a Konami section. Police Rush, Tomin Sunner, DDR Freedom, the Castlevania mm-hmm. puzzle game, of course. But I also was able to grab the Power of Pros a baseball series, which I loved way back even on the... I think the PlayStation was the first time I played Power Pros, so that's interesting about that. But I, I forgot that uh, Konami released Power Pros for the... For the um, 
iPad. iPod. iPod. Hmm. iPod, yeah. So if you have an old iPod or iPad, I hope that you downloaded that because if not, well, I guess, yeah. guess you could jailbreak and try to find it somewhere. Anyway, just so I tell you that, I really yeah. like that game a lot. It's chibi, chibi baseball. Okay. Yeah, chibi baseball controls really well, a lot of fun. I think what you're touching on is that for us, it appears that this was more of a, a quick cash-in before the holiday season for Sony than it was of them celebrating an anniversary or celebrating the legacy of Ken Kugaragi and this PlayStation. Mm-hmm. You know, well, it was sure. like, what, what can we get? Like, I, I know people would have wanted to play Tony Hawk Pro Skater, probably mm. two, you know, or Twisted Metal 2. We went through this. Why mm-hmm. wasn't this on there and that on there? And it, it really appeared that it came down to they just didn't want to cough up the money for licensing, or maybe the licensing is difficult. I know with Tony Hawk, there's a lot of you know music on there that mm-hmm. they probably don't want to pay for. But again, if that's the case, don't put this thing out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, See, I know that people grew up in the PlayStation era, but I don't think those people that grew up with PlayStation as their first console are nostalgic about that. No, they don't I, give a shit. And no. I, I'm, this is, again, a very micro case. But my brother's first console, he's in his early 20s, his first console was the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. He has zero nostalgia to go back and play Blasto right. or go back and play Tomba or go back and play. Like, I I would go back and play Tomba. Yeah, because we're um, older. But wouldn't we right. rather go back to the PlayStation 2? Absolutely. 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 But people that the NES Classic and the Super Nintendo Classic appeal to, they would buy those. Because those right. are things they are nostalgic about. People that grew up grew up in the PS One soon outgrew that to the PS Two, and even so, then people that grew up in the PS One generation would have probably been you know bit real hard on the hook of the PS Two, and right. even gamers that grew up uh, like me with Pong <laughs> and fifteen different versions of Pong, I would go for the PS Two, no doubt about right. it. Definitely. And I think with the Nintendo consoles, those 8-bit and 16-bit graphics held up better, or that gameplay held up better, because the nostalgia around it is constantly stoked, and also mm-hmm. it just ages better, especially the 16-bit era. But like, there's games that came out yesterday on Steam that look like they could be running on a Sega Genesis or a mm-hmm. Super Nintendo. Sure. And they never went away, pixel art. There yeah. was a brief time where it, may, it might have been on a quiet hiatus. And I missed even, it so badly. Yeah, it, I, you know, even at that time, when I would consider it being a quiet hiatus, you still got something like a Tomba or like a Symphony of the Night I know Ogre Battle was holding that torch for a while, and then they went polygonal. Um, but there was other cases, so it never went away fully. Soccer Kid. <laughs> soccer soccer Kid. I love Soccer Kid. I'm sorry. Well, That's love nice. is kind of a strong word, but I mean, I liked Soccer Kid. <laughs> you liked it a lot. So anyway, we digress. Uh, the, the PlayStation Classic is a bag of garbage. I know that we don't want to be talking about the PlayStation and polygons and things like that, but... I always have to try to work in something with NEC and their turbo graphics, their PC engine, and what have you. When their PC FX came out, which was, you know, their entry into the next gen systems, uh, trying to go against the Saturn and the PlayStation. Yeah, they was that the one that's said, like a porn machine, basically? Uh, it's all hentai games or something. No, no. Well, not oh. as much. Not as oh. not, not as much as like the FM Towns or something. But yeah, oh, okay. yeah. It's mostly things that you have to be Japanese to play. 
Gotcha. Uh, there's not a lot of things that you could play uh, as an American. There are a few. One was mm-hmm. Battle... Uh, I think they came out with a Battle Heat game, which was... Uh, I don't want to say... You know, it's... Boy, I'll tell you what. Our Arcade Weekly knocks so much of my console out of my head. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the gas poisoning uh, did finish it sure off. Sure didn't help. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the PCFX, NEC's idea about this was, listen, these polygons, they're not going to go anywhere right now because right. it just doesn't have enough processing power that yeah. you don't run out of polygons at some point. It is limited in the amount of polygons the Saturn and the PlayStation can display. So as our eyes adjust to these polygons and don't think they look like reality anymore, which mm-hmm. it didn't take long for that to occur. Right. They said, well, we're going to make a system that plays JPEGs, not MPEGs, JPEGs, because JPEG could be of a higher quality than MPEG-1 back at right. the time. Uh, it's going to play JPEGs really, really quickly. So we will pre-render the highest quality computer-generated polygon images that we mm-hmm. can and then we'll play them back so quickly that you will think you're playing a polygon game even though it's really just jpegs all pre-rendered sure well you know that lasted <laughs> a few more games than super graphics i'm right. sure i'm sure that library is under 50 uh you know i could be told completely mistaken but i can't remember over two dozen games that came out for that. And like you I said, the, maybe three three that could be played in America. You brought up the Saturn. And I think that's a good example, too, of what it was like back then. Because I don't think Sega thought polygonal was the direction mm. yet. Because I, that system and its architecture, really, a lot of people feel they were just dipping their toe in polygonal graphics with it. But because the PlayStation came onto the scene... And that was the new hotness that everyone got excited about. Now they had to backpedal with their hardware mm-hmm. and try to make that happen. And that's why they lost a lot of third-party support, because it was too difficult to do polygonal graphics on that system. The system was really built to do 32-bit 2D graphics. Yeah. And and the funniest thing about it is, well, you can name some games for the Saturn that happen to be my <laughs> some of my favorite games of all time. Bomberman S, Super Fire sure. Pro Wrestling S. And Daytona, USA. Jesus, I love that game. (laughs) Daytona. Rolling start. Anyway, do do, 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 you believe I'm a singer? It's true. (laughs) (laughs) But the funniest thing was when the 2D games started coming out, uh, if they were released for the PlayStation as well, the PlayStation was doing it better. (laughs) It was really funny. It was hilarious. I can't remember. Oh, it was In the Hunt. In the Hunt, the uh, shooter came out for both systems, and, and the PlayStation was uh, better in that. Okay, well, let's stop talking about polygons. Let's talk about what we really wanted to talk about. Okay, so going back to my story, I did pick up the Super Nintendo Classic ages ago, and this is when it was c- kind of hard to come by. I also saw that the, the NES, the Nintendo Entertainment System Classic, was available as well, and I picked that up, and it just sat in my basement in the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I just got it because... It was hard to come by at the time. Maybe I'll flip it. Maybe I won't. That's yeah, like I was Wii. Looking, like the Wii? Yeah, I bought the Wii. I bought oh, right. It when, you like, just went there f- for coffee and donuts <laughs> and ended up getting <laughs> Yeah, the Nintendo store in New York said, hey, we're having uh, free coffee and donuts. You know, it's like at, I don't know, 
six in the morning or seven in the morning. And I was like, I'm definitely going to buy a $35 bus ticket to go up to New York to have free, free (laughs) donuts and coffee. That just makes so much sense to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was standing in line and, uh, you know, this, this person came out and they were like counting people and they were like, okay, you might be able to get a Wii, you might be able to get a Wii. And I'm like, I'm not, am I going to be able to get a crawler? You know, that's what, (laughs) and, uh. And I went in and, you know, I, I just wanted to visit the Nintendo servers, like the opening of that. And I didn't know they right. were going to have a Wii. And I called up my wife at the time and said, should I get a Wii? Because they're going to have them here. What, do you got fireworks going on? Yeah, nice. you know, any holiday, <laughs> my uh, neighborhood is like Afghanistan. Yeah, that happens. That happens. It just, too. yeah, bombs just go off constantly in my neighborhood. And love I do it. apologize because I oh, don't I know it. if that will happen throughout the show or not. Yeah, I hope it does. Yeah. I hope it happens so, through happy next New Year, week's everybody. show and the following week's show. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so maybe. I, I we'll got see. a Wii at the time and it just yeah. sat in the box until I think. It was some holiday. I think it was Thanksgiving. So it was like two months later or mm-hmm. or something like that. And then my wife and I said, should we open this? And then we did, and we played it. And, uh, so yeah. that's what you did with the NES. Pretty much what happened with me with the NES, with Thanksgiving, I was having people over. I was like, I got the Super Nintendo hooked up. There's not a lot of two-player games on there that are super intuitive for ca- like real casual gamers or people who didn't grow up with the system. So Is I'm like, let Bill me Bill Lambeer's the- Combat Basketball on it's this? It's not, oh. unfortunately. No. Um, so it. let me hook up the, the NES Mini and see what the offerings are on there. Mm-hmm. And so Dr. Mario is on there. Again, that's great for mm-hmm. all different ages. And you got Tecmo Bowl on there. So I hooked it up, and people were having fun with it. And you know, as people filtered out, I'm like, all right, let me sit down with this thing. And I'm looking at the games on there, and it's like, probably never going to play this again. And I was actually thinking back to a conversation that has been brought up between you and I on the show often about your feelings when the Nintendo came out. I'll touch on that in a second. But for me, I, I looked at it, and I'm like, I've played these games so much. Mm-hmm. For so long. And it is the choice cuts of the Nintendo that you'd expect. They're not all black box games, thankfully. There are some newer titles on there with the Mega Mans and and, and Dr. Mario and okay, like Super the Mario MM, Brothers 3. MM5, um, MMC5. The, these are all the games that you've come to expect. And I've played these since Nesticle was available in <laughs> like ninth grade of high school. Yeah. And we've been, you were playing punch out on the school computer when you were supposed to be researching something. And I think that's why it fell flat for me. I'm just like, this selection doesn't excite me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did think back to you. And, and when you bought a Nintendo, I believe it was Predator was the Predator game. Predator Trojan. Yeah. Right. Predator Trojan. The best game. <laughs> I, you know, I, I spent hours like sweating in the Toys R Us. <laughs> I was there so long, I was sweating to get the best titles. Predator Trojan, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then you uh, you quickly got yourself a, a Turbo Graphics. Actually, uh, I had a. Oof, well, I I, all I know is that. Oh, hold on, Thailand. Yep. Hey, babe, I'm recording a show. Can I call you back? You have small talk in. What's going on? Oh, hi. Okay. Good morning. Okay. Okay, I'll talk to you in a while. Bye. Okay, bye. All right. All I know is that I traded my Genesis 
my NES and all their games to get the Neo Geo, which is my second favorite video gaming system. I don't think the Turbo had Maybe anything to do with it. The Neo Geo. I yeah. got you. Okay, yeah. well, the way I just remember it is the Nintendo nostalgia you don't really have. You don't really have that NES nostalgia that most people do. Mm. Well, I have my Rob the Robot nostalgia. Okay. You like the oddities and the novelties of the system. <laughs> do. Who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> the U-Force. <laughs> U-Force, man. I had two U-Force yeah. in case we wanted so to play So I was kind of left flat where I'm like, well, what do I do with this thing now? Because I feel like I'm not going to touch it again because mm-hmm. the lineup is, they're, they're, they're great games, but they're also games I've played a million times. Sure. And so I started to think about what I talked about on the show, which was how hard is it to hack this thing? Mm-hmm. So I'm here to report that uh, you and I both own a RetroPie. Sure. And it is a hell of a lot easier to hack this little bad boy than it is to set up your RetroPie. Even if you do get one on Amazon where pretty much everything is plug and play. Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe how easy it is to use this program called HackChi, which was designed to hack the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo Classics. And just those two consoles, as far as I know, or okay. at least the program that I have, it's literally plugging the system because, you know, these systems all run off of USB power now with mm. the AC adapter. Mm-hmm. So you just take that cord that came in the box, you plug it into your computer, you download this program, you load it up, you find your ROMs. I'm not going to say how you find your ROMs, but <laughs> it's very easy to find full ROM sets still. Mm-hmm. Don't share it around like a goof mm. and ruin it for everybody else. Mm-hmm. We talked about this in the past, too, with certain sites being killed. But it seems much easier now to just get full ROM sets than it is to get the a la carte ROMs. Sure. So what I will recommend with that is if you do get a full ROM set, you're going to want to get rid of your prototypes. You're going to want to get rid of your Japanese titles if that is a part of your set. You know, the Mahjong games that you can't read. Mm -hmm. You're probably going to want to get rid of the kid games like your Sesame Streets and your uh, Color of Dinosaur, even though, you know, we're fans of Tommy Tallarico and his music, but Mm -hmm. I don't need Color of Dinosaur on my... uh, Because you do have a limited amount of space on this, and Mm -hmm. you're also going to be breaking these games up into folders. So if you don't want to be scrolling for days, cut out some of the crap that you're not going to ever look at. Once yeah, the that's only, done, only problem you run into is with like Mame and the clones. Mm-hmm. Do you put did you put Mame on there? Or that's just too much. Nope. We have nope. everything. I, we I, have you can do that. Yeah. But I'm just talking strictly. This Console. game lineup left me feeling deflated a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, oh man, maybe I should have left this in the box and just eBayed it. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I just want more games for the Nintendo mm-hmm. that would never be on a curated console like mm-hmm. this. Yeah. So I got my full ROM set. I got my choice cuts for uh, different ROM hacks of Japanese games. So they have English translations. I made my, oh, yeah. my nice little my nice little list. Uh, I dropped my nice little list into the program. It is literally drag and drop. You follow the instructions. There's probably a dozen instructions of what it tells you to do. Turn this on. Turn that off. Hit this. It uploads all the ROMs. It asks you. This is the best part, Wiggly. So it made me think of what we've gone through with setting up Hyperspin or setting up, you mm. know, uh, the RetroPie. It goes. Would you like to upload the album artwork from Google? <laughs> yeah. Uh, sure. And it just goes weep with a little bar, you know, to zero to 100%. I didn't see a single picture come up. So I look, it's all there. Granted, 
some of the pictures don't look right. They're not the best <laughs> image quality. Mm-hmm. But that's not the majority for what you're dealing with. Normally, what you get on there is like, that's good enough. That's good enough. That's good enough. The curiosities that I put on there, I had to put my own album artwork on there. Gotcha. Um, but again, super easy. Then I unplug the system, plug it back in, turn it on. Boom. It's instead of the, the, the games it came up with, now I have 300 some odd games on there. Going back to what was originally touched on, do not pay somebody to do this for you. Mm. This is easy. If you can read and follow instructions, there's a bunch of YouTube videos out there. Just do it yourself if you're interested in it. If you're not and you're happy with the lineup of games, that's great. But for me, I couldn't believe how easy it was to do this. So now I'm tossing and turning whether or not I want to do it with the Super Nintendo, obviously, because I am happy with that lineup. And I, I mm. like the curation. But what's nice about this is... I don't know if this would be considered a soft hack. It doesn't strip the user interface from the console. That's great. So you still have the same aesthetic. You still have Mario hopping around. You just have folders now. that, And you can split up the folders in different, different ways. It gives you different options on how you want those folders to be broken up, how many games per folder and whatnot. But they're normally they're alphabetical. And it'll say, you know, ARK through CID, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Very well organized. And if you're on the screen, you walk away, it's going to still do the whole screen saving mode. The only difference is with the uh, default games, when you walk away, Mario or Luigi will come out to hit a game and then it'll display the game on your screen. If it's a game that's not the original game on there, it doesn't do that. But they're still jumping around. The music's still playing, still has the nice aesthetic. That is awesome. Because what I like about these curated consoles is definitely their user interface. And we're not going to talk about Sony again, but holy shit, take a look at that user interface. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know we're emulating like the PlayStation, but come on, guys, dress that shit up a little bit better. I really enjoy what Nintendo did with the NES Classic and the Super NES Classic. When I saw that that UI wasn't altered in any way. That was that, I was sold on it. I'm like, this seems simple. I watched the video. The video was about 10 minutes long, and it was you know th- done in real time. And I was like, I can do this. Oh, wow. And uh, I would recommend it. I, I think it's great. And it opened me up to playing games that I normally wouldn't have played. Um, and I'm still weeding through. You know, I, I find a game that looks interesting, much like we used to do with Arcade Weekly. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, well, this has an interesting title. Let's take a look at it. And it might be you know, unremarkable or really bad, or it might be great. Go either way. The same thing with these Nintendo games. So Predator. I weeded out. Yeah, I weeded out Predator. I weeded out stuff that Wait, I knew was bad. you weeded out Predator? Yeah, I what? weeded out stuff that I knew that I didn't want to play, but I left in things that I didn't know. Hmm. So I'm discovering new games, and as I go through, I take them out because, again, this isn't me amassing this complete collection. It's me creating my own curated console sure. for games that I would enjoy playing with others and I wanted more two player games on the system and now I have it uh, so I did this and now come Christmas I end up going to New Hampshire with my family and I bring this along now because this is a great take along console it's small mm-hmm. it hooks up with an HDMI cord which now every hotel is HDMI mm-hmm. televisions plug it in got your USB cord power it up and away we go and uh, I ended up playing a lot of Slalom, wow. which was, yeah, it was put out by the Stamper Brothers in, I want to say, 91. 
uh, who we've talked about the Stamper Brothers in, in, in the past. They are the guys behind the creation of Rare, the mm-hmm. company. I think a good episode to hear some of the history about Rare would be the Battletoads episode I did with Kevin WK of 8-Bit Geek. And you can find that at wetalkgames.com slash in the can. We get into the, the history of Rare on that episode, which is really cool. I interviewed the guy that did the Super FX chip. Jez San with Argonaut Soft. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to touch on that too. Let's take a little sidebar. Before it becomes very dated, everyone's had an opinion on it already. Have you played this Netflix interactive film, Bender Snatcher? I don't have Netflix. You don't have Netflix? No. Okay. I did play Dragon's Lair and Space Ace for my DVD player. Okay, well, okay, so um, there, there's a, a series on Netflix called Black Mirror. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I you're familiar this. with this. Yes. So on, I want to say New Year's Eve, they released this, I guess they're saying is an experiment, but it's an interactive episode of Black Mirror called Bandersnatch. Okay. And it takes place in a fictitious 1980s England at the height of computer gaming with the ZX Spectrum and the Commodore 64. Mm. And it follows this young man who's a little bit of a uh, diamond in a rough, but a prodigy nonetheless with creating games. And he's creating this adventure game that has multiple paths. And as you watch this episode, it gives you different choices. And depending on what you choose, it shows you different cuts, very much like your CDI. I just think immediately of plumbers don't wear ties. Plumbers don't wear ties. Perfect um, example, I'm sure. Yeah, a da- Dana Plato <laughs> being chased around by vamp- vampiric frogmen might come to mind. Yeah. It is very much that in the same vein. And what's funny is you have the entertainment world who's kind of poo-pooing on it. Uh, hmm. Not largely. Some people are really enjoying this. Others are saying this, which is it's not up to snuff with the rest of Black Mirror. And uh. it doesn't really work as a film. And then on the gaming side, you have people saying, well, it doesn't really work as a game. It doesn't really work Mm -hmm. as a film either. To me, I'm very excited by it. Uh, As I was playing through it, one, the story for me through doing this show and researching and learning about the history of video games and computer games and learning more and more about the UK and you know, the influence that they had largely over just the the, the trajectory and the history mm-hmm. overall for these things. Um, it rings very, very true. It reminds me of Jez Sand. It reminds me of the Stamper Brothers, these people that I've learned about, these fly-by-night companies that are, um, you know, creating games by committee because they, they just want another hit on the ZX Spectrum again and again. It also reminded me of historical dramatization that, we talked about ages ago that talked about the ZX Spectrum and the Acorn computer and how the, the BBC Micro and how that came to be with uh, Jet Set fucking Willie <laughs> with uh, Sinclair. That was my favorite line from the movie. It's like, I, we don't create computers to play Jet Set fucking Willie. <laughs> anyway, so I enjoyed the story from that aspect because uh, it, it rang true. I'm like, this is believable. Obviously, there's things in this episode because it is a black mirror episode that are a little outlandish but as far as the bones of the story the foundation the uh, the world that it exists in it came off very believable for me it's interesting as far as the interactivity is concerned there were things that yes i wish from a game point of view oh by the way spoilers 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 
There was things for me that I wish they took more advantage of that interactivity. A lot of the choices kind of end in the same place. So it gives you the perception mm. of choice when really you don't have a choice in the mm-hmm. matter with some directions and some paths. Is it sort of like Indiana Jones where he didn't have to do any of this shit because if the Nazis get the box anyway, they were going to be turned into candles? So no. really it's... It, yeah, no, it's not like shit. that. And <laughs> okay. I thought at a certain point when I kept hitting these choices that were just the perception of choice rather than being a true choice, it was going to be that. I'm like, oh, this is all going to end in the same area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting different endings. And oh, what okay. I will say is one ending that I re- – there are endings that end, and then it says, okay, now you can go back to this point. No mm. credits, no nothing. And you're like, okay, so I, I failed. It's not really an ending. It's like playing Clock Tower, right, mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, so this is an ending because I died, but it's not a real ending, you know? Mm-hmm. Where a clock tower had those endings, but it also had endings where, oh, you did escape the mansion, but you didn't escape the right way, or, or the scissor man is in the car with you as you're escaping. I don't even know if you're, you or anybody listening is familiar with clock tower, but that's the uh, <laughs> analogy I'm using right now. Mm-hmm. Well, Bandersnatch is like this, where you have those endings that are clearly bad. Then you have endings that, oh, okay, well, this is a logical ending, you know, and here's the credits. And then after the credits, it says you can go back again. And then I did find an ending that ended the story. There was no go back. Mm. So I was like, oh, this must be the 100% ending. There is, there's a lot of pressure on you to help this young developer get a good rating for his game, mm-hmm. Bandersnatch. Okay. I would um, just use the Prime as strategy guide. Right. <laughs> so you're you're seeing this um, scene again and again, but with all minor alterations, depending on your choices, where it's some sort of micro play television show where they're reviewing games and they'll say like, oh, you know, you could tell that a bunch of people just rushed this through a room. So zero stars mm. or it feels like he quit halfway through the project. Three stars. And then it dawned on me as I'm listening to the narrative and I'm, I'm kind of um, getting involved with the characters of the show. I was like, no, this isn't about the game. We need to stop focusing on the game. Mm. And then I started seeing other endings that had nothing to do about getting a good score for this fucking game. I had to help this dude with issues that he was dealing with. Mm. And that's where we got a little deeper along the story. And what's extremely interesting, and I am not familiar with Black Mirror past this episode. I've heard about it, and I've read about it, but I've never did the dive into it. I want to. I just haven't. You know, it's it's very appealing to me. I just haven't had the time to, to do a deep dive into the series. Well, but every when I heard, episode when I heard, is different. Yeah, I heard it's, it's, it's a new a Twilight Zone. It's a Twilight Zone for a new generation. That's true. But I guess there is some some type of thread I saw on YouTube that people break down this and that and the other. I just enjoy it for, for you know, the individual stories. I sure. give a fuck about. So, but I read about this together. interactivity, and because of what we show. do here, mm-hmm. I was intrigued by it. And I'm like, I need to play this. And yes, it isn't a movie, and it isn't a game. Mm-hmm. It's very much, to me, an art piece. And it also shows a huge potential to do more of this. And I don't think that's a bad thing. It can be a bad thing, but it can also be a very good thing because unlike your Mad Dog McCree Mm -hmm. or your Night Traps, Netflix has a lot of money. (laughs) So the production value alone will make it a much more enjoyable process. And this, 
episode of Black Mirror is better than any full motion video game I've ever played, with the exception of maybe the Don Bluth games mm-hmm. with your your and that's purely on aesthetic because gameplay wise they're extraordinarily frustrating, especially if you yeah. play them out in the wild. You just have to um, remember the pattern and then right. also remember the ver- reverse patterns because sometimes they'll flip the the animation, yeah. so you have to go the opposite ways. Yeah. So, but with this, with the, these decisions and the, this choose your own adventure gameplay, I think there's good possibility here. And when you're on a device that doesn't support this interactivity, which sadly my um, television, which is only two years old, doesn't. Mm. So I had to play it through the PlayStation 3, which mm. does. Mm. They show you this whole prompt about the importance of, you know, you being on the right device to experience this fully and mm. da 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 da. And it doesn't sound like this is Netflix one and done. This sounds like this is a new avenue. Now, whether or not Netflix continues to go down this avenue, who knows? I know I remember, you know, years ago they had that whole thing with the AI where it would ask you questions and then serve you up a movie. And that lasted Mm. maybe a year. So maybe we won't see more than just this one episode, or maybe we will, depending on how people, you know, respond to it. But for me, my my quick reactions. I think this is a good thing. I think this was an interesting thing, and, and I enjoyed playing it. Well, I'm sure it's going to be better than the CDI's TR1 or TRS1. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was a Todd Rundgren record uh, uh, CD that mm-hmm. you you could make the music. Not, not, not like CNC oh. Music Factory or, yeah, yeah. or the other one. Crisscross. Crisscross, no. It's not yeah. like that. This was... You built the songs on the fly, and you didn't record them or do anything else, and there was no score. It was just that these songs could interact with one another in a way that you could press some buttons, and it would make different song parts go in different places. It was Hmm. supposed to be a big deal, and unfortunately, I liked some of the songs, but trying to get those songs to be that I can hear them... (laughs) That's a different story. But I would love to have heard people review that now. You're talking about trying to pick something that people wouldn't be familiar with. Well, there you go. CDI, Philips CDI, <laughs> TR1 or TR something one. But um, yeah, that was, it was innovative, but yeah, just didn't work. You know, I remember people pooping on it because like, we want to hear what the artist wants to prove. Portray and you know what? This is what he wants to portray. You yeah, that's what they. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All right. So, well, uh, continuing with the Stamper Brothers and Rare and Slalom. Slalom is just that. It's slalom. It's you're skiing down a hill. Um, mm-hmm. but like what a lot of these English software developers were capable of doing, it was impressive what they were able to pull out of the Nintendo. This is why Stamper Brothers got cherry-picked by Nintendo for Rare. Mm-hmm. This is why Jez Sand got cherry-picked, because they knew how to reverse-engineer this hardware and make it do things that not even the people who created it thought it could do. And not that this game is going to blow your mind when you're looking at it, but the, the way that it projects speed with almost this proto-graphic FX kind of gimmick with the, the stretch mm-hmm. of pixels. Mm-hmm. It was very impressive to me, and I'm like, wow, this is an incredible game. It, 
I think it might have been like a very, very well, if it was 91, it, it was a newer game. But if you look at the box art, it looks like it's, uh, you know, right alongside any of those other black box games, like one of the early games. And because it's strictly just slalom and there's no real story about it, just you're racing down different slopes. Mm-hmm. All the meat of the game is the gameplay. And it was very popular playing with my siblings. This We were trying to beat each other's scores. We're surprised at the different things that you know the game would throw at us. It starts off fairly easy. you got to watch out for clumps of snow and other skiers. And then all of a sudden it's throwing rocks at you along the uh, the slope or trees. You don't want to end up like Sonny Bono. Right. So you're dodging and you're weaving. And you are also got to make sure you make it through the two posts, the flag post, or else you get deductions of time. We really got a kick out of this game. <laughs> Another game that we played, which, again, has always been a punchline on our show, but I haven't ever given it real thought or effort into actually playing it, was Hattress. Oh, and this okay. is all because my sister uh, is very much into the puzzle games, and she loves Dr. Mario, and she mm-hmm. likes Tetris. And I was like, well, have you ever played Hattress? And mm-hmm. she goes, no, I've never played Hattress. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I showed her Hattress, and she was not impressed. <laughs> um, and neither was I. It's it Talk about unremarkable. This is a pretty unremarkable game. It's mm-hmm. kind of, it's not kind of, it's definitely boring as far as a puzzle game is concerned. It was created by Alexei Pojov. Po- Pojov. Po- yeah, him. Right? Yeah. Uh, the same guy who created Tetris. It's hard to follow up something like that. Mm-hmm. This is m- very much like your color block dropping puzzle games, only it's with hats on heads. Mm-hmm. And I think that if this game got the Mario veneer, it would be in the same circle as a Yoshi. Not Yoshi's Cookie, which is actually a good puzzle game, but Yoshi, which is kind of an unremarkable, boring puzzle game mm-hmm. by Nintendo. Mm-hmm. But if you, instead of having Alexi on there, because he's there, and Charlie Chaplin, and there, there's a couple other <laughs> you know wow. faces that you'll recognize uh, on that change when you go to different levels that you're putting these hats on, if it was Mario or Wario or Luigi, whoever Nintendo would throw their way yeah. on this, I think people would remember this more fondly, and it wouldn't be as much of a punchline. It would just be like, oh, yeah, it was that other puzzle game. Um, by Nintendo, but I guess Nintendo didn't bite, so this was put out by Bulletproof Software, yeah, yeah. which is what uh, Hank Rogers, uh, that's his company that mm-hmm. him and Alexi are under for all the Tetris things uh, at this time. I think it's all been sold off to EA now. Why they couldn't, um, why couldn't bring Battle Tetris to the United States is beyond me. That's the best, still the best Tetris game I ever played. Mm. I was just thinking about Wario Woods. That was another puzzle game. Yeah, you know what? I showed that to my sister, and she, at first she didn't like that game, uh, but then she was starting to get the hang of it, and she actually played that quite a bit. Yeah, I I have fond memory memories of Wario Woods. It was a later Nintendo title. Um, I think between that and oh gosh, um, Star Tropics Two: Revenge of Zoda. I think those are like the last two official cartridges to come Great out. Music. Which one? Star Tropics Two. Classic. Uh, you hear know, it everywhere. That we you all go. remember. Everywhere yeah. you go, you hear him. Exactly. But yeah, I like Wario Woods. I think that. But you know, is it a Tetris? No. Is it a bust a move? No. It's you know. It, it, but it, even a Doctor Mario. Um, but I would at least give it the same. I don't know rank or accreditation as I would give columns. Mm-hmm. 
You know, Kaido Fan Calm was offensive. It's not the best puzzle game I've ever played, but I, I enjoy playing it. And it has hooks about it. You know, it, it has that addictive nature. Like, oh, all right, I'll keep playing. I'm doing well. I'll keep playing. I was doing well in Hattress. I'm like, I don't want to play Hattress anymore. I don't care that there's a wizard hat on this level. I'm kind of done with this. Yeah. But regardless of that, this it was what made this very easy to do modification to this console worth it. Because here was something, take it along. I don't have to worry about it just getting completely fucked like my <laughs> retro pie did where you, it lost everything and then i'm re-putting everything back on and yeah and oh great now i gotta redo all the settings for all the games and everything else because yeah. that you know it's not built like a toy this well, nes pie, classic you, you is to built sh- like a toy yeah you have to make sure that you turn the pie off properly you have to make sure that right. it's all exited out of the the um the non-GUI, the the underside of the Linux system, and mm-hmm. then uh, and then then you can turn it off. If you don't, it ruins the entire OS and the entire uh, RetroPie. I will say though, if you're looking to have multiple consoles with different ROMs on one unit, mm-hmm. the RetroPie is the way to go. Well, what you have to do is as soon as you get your Retro where you want it then you have to make that half hour backup uh, yes and yeah. once you do that then you're okay because then if you uh, brick it or you know as far as you can brick it uh, then you just restore from that that image backup now sometimes your image backup is not right so what you need to do there is you make sure that you get two two cards of the same uh, size and once you make a backup, then you try to restore that backup to the the other card to make sure that that backup actually works. You know, that's a lot. It's a lot of work. Right. But if you just want to play Nintendo games, pick yourself up a classic before they're not on shelves anymore, because Nintendo did end production on both of their classic lines. And uh, give a swing at, at this Hackchi program, because I'm telling you, if I can do it mm-hmm. and you can read... You're gonna be okay. And you were, we're gonna able to be do okay. That? And you do that. I don't to your think you'll SNES? regret it. What's that? Do you do that to your SNES? I didn't do it to the SNES yet. Okay. No. But it's the same program. The the hack G download. It's got an option. It asks you, what are we modding today? Or what mm. are we hacking today? Are we hacking the the NES? Or are we hacking the Super Nintendo? And you just it's a drag down menu. It's like uh, I, I I could not believe it was the easiest thing I've ever done in mm-hmm. regard to loading up ROMs onto something. Like, if you could download an emulator and get it to run a ROM, then you can mod your NES Classic. So, again, don't go on Etsy and buy one of these things for $110 mm. because it's modded. Or send it away to somebody on eBay or Craigslist for 50 bucks and they'll mod it for you. Don't get involved in any of that stuff. Save your money. Do it yourself. It's really easy. And I, I, again, I don't think you're going to regret it. And there's ways to go about it, plenty of videos to uh, show you that in the event you do something wrong to it and you do wipe it out, you save the kernel of the system okay. first. And then all you got to do is just plug it in, load that kernel back in, and boom, we're back to default. Okay. So. That's cool. Let's talk yeah. about hacking your arcade one up. Uh, okay, sure. Okay. Right now, you can't really hack it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one thing you can do, though, is you can add a keyboard to it. Uh, I've seen people hacking this thing where they're well, putting MAME on there. Well, yeah, because they put a Raspberry Pi in there. 
Oh, well, that's not a hack of the, yeah. All exa- right. Exactly. It's not a hack. So when I talked about the arcade one up and you asked me where, you know, does it as a pioneer, does it have one? I said, I don't fucking know where it is. It's either in the control panel mm-hmm. or behind a monitor. And it was behind a monitor. And that was where I was leading, le- leaning. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's just a single board. So people are showing you how to hook up your, your retro pie and well, your, your, your raspberry pie or computer or all this mm-hmm. other shit. And everybody bought almost everybody. Everybody bought the fucking street fighter two cabinet. And yeah. I love killer instinct so much. Look at what I did. Here's my computer inside there. Yeah, and I yeah. put a fan and I put this board and I put the hap joysticks and I had it dremel out this for my hap joysticks and i'm gonna get the this cabinet art for the hap for the killer instinct to put on it's like why the fuck did you buy this thing you don't like street fighter and you're doing all this shit to it that just made your cabinet cost thousands of dollars yeah. <laughs> just buy the fucking uh, killer you instinct buy, cabinet you could, yeah you could have bought the x arcade mame cabinet exactly. It's, exactly it's dumb and i go back to like yes i walked back on saying that if you're gonna buy these curated consoles because the argument was well i'll buy the playstation classic and i'll just hack it later it's mm-hmm. like but, but why you're gonna you're gonna still have how are you gonna hack analog sticks onto that fucking controller mm-hmm. you know um uh, with the nintendo all right, so now I've walked back a little bit. I said, look, you know, I wanted more games in there. I put more games in there. But I've now had hands-on experience with an arcade one-up, and I will say that I, I, I hold to the fact that, yes, and you just brought up all the reasons I was going to bring up. If you're going to spend the $300 or $350 for this system, why would you start gutting it just to put it in a main machine? You want a small version of a main machine and spend th- you know over $1,000? You can get a main machine for that. The I only thing that I th- this is the only people that I do not like with their arcade one ups. The people that bought the Street Fighter machine, <laughs> the people that <laughs> bought the Street Fighter Two machines, are all ugh. Because number one, what I wanted to talk about was the hacking. Was that you can put a USB keyboard onto every system that's currently out now except for the street fighter because that has a slightly different way it uses uh the roms a slightly different um program or whatever you want to call it whereas the other ones do use a main type of um well they they do use main period they use main right. period i don't know if the capcom one uses cpn or what because the people that are on there they don't fucking know what they're doing they're just they're just guys in their basement that want to play every version of street fighter and every version of whatever with their hap joysticks and mm-hmm. their led this and that and guys whatever. look i put metal slug on it right exactly <laughs> exactly so you know i understand okay it's a six button joystick i get it i had to put my coin slot over here because I couldn't use that coin slot up there and this and that. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I just want to see someone putting a different spinner knob on it because right. I want my spinner knob to work a little bit better. And there's actually a way where you could do it using the plastic spinner knob. And it's mm-hmm. it's very simple. And uh, that's the type of hacking I want to look at. But then I found out that you can actually hook up a keyboard. And this is how I found out that it runs main. Mm-hmm. Now, there is no USB port on the thin board that's in it. It's just only one thin motherboard. 
there is no USB slot. So you, there's four solder points. And they're very easy for me to hit. Uh, and that's how you would hook up like a, a female USB thing that you could plug in a keyboard to and run right. it out the hole and la, 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 la. Why would you want to do that? Well, because the reason typing I of the dead, typing of the dead. <laughs> now you can't put any ROMs on there yet through that USB port. The only thing you did can you know there do, was an arcade release of that game? Uh, in Japan. In Japan. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of oh, course. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, that's something. Yeah. That's a good game. That's a fun yeah. It's game. a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a, it's it's just as fun as the gun one, I think. And in Japan, I believe you were still typing English words. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Interesting. Very interesting. So the reason that you want the keyboard on there is because this is MAME. And the one problem I have with my arcade one-up, and it's it's a minor problem to most people, I'm sure, but I would like my gamma to be a little bit darker. So okay. that's what the keyboard can allow you to do. You put the keyboard on there, you hit the tab button just like you do in a MAME system, and voila, you can get to all those controls. Make it easier, make mm-hmm. it uh, harder, all the mm-hmm. dip switch settings that you would have for these games, you can have. You can, there. you can change the okay. sensitivity of your of your rollerball. You right. can change the sensitivity of the knob. Um, I see why they wouldn't want that there, though, for the general public that are picking these up on a nostalgic mm-hmm. buy. Because mm-hmm. now, like I said, I've had hands-on experience with the trackball and the spinner. the The machine itself, if you're familiar with the size of a cabaret cabinet, it's it's smaller than a cabaret cabinet. But I played on the same deluxe mm-hmm. version, so it had the riser, has the trackball. The trackball is a little smaller than what I expected, mm-hmm. but it's comfortable, and I actually liked it. Um, it was very easy to move around with just like two fingers. Yeah, the spinner knob, I I felt immediately the what clicking. you were talking about. Yeah. And um, it bummed me out a little bit, but when I was playing the games that were associated with the spinner knob, they played just fine. It's just that the, the tactile feel of that mm-hmm. spinner knob, I want it to feel like an Arkanoid cabinet. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like the Arkanoid spinner. And you can um, actually wait. You can wait that with just pennies and keep that spinner on there. Now, there's a guy uh, that's really pretty good on the on uh, YouTube and he's replaced his spinner knob, and he's repl- he's corrected what he believes is an issue with the rollerball, because the rollerball okay. has like fifteen slots. If you know how rollerballs work, uh, it's just like a, a ball mouse pack tracker. It has mm-hmm. these spinning wheels, and then a laser goes through the wheels. And there's slots in the in the, these little wheels, and then however many times the laser hits the receiver uh, through these slots in the wheels, that's how quickly it goes or slowly it goes. So he found that a 12 slot circle is the best control for that rollerball, more mm-hmm. control than a 15 slot, because he tried a regular rollerball things which has like 36, <laughs> you know, tiny little things that reflect off. It was way too much, and you were zipping around, and if you went really fast, it would skip. But there's some back roll on, there's some back roll both on the spinner knob and on the and on the trackpad. If you're using this like me, you know what I mean? Or you. Mm. If you're a person that just remembers these things, everything's perfectly fine to use on here. There, there's nothing that's unusable. 
Right. But like I said, there is a hack for the spinner knob. Now, see, the thing with the spinner knob is it doesn't use any type of laser tracking. It actually uses a pot. There's actually a pot at the bottom, much like the Atari racing controller. It can Mm -hmm. go all the way around. But it's still uh, this type of analog pot with no with no uh, ability to read any type of thing except where the pot is in its spin. But you could do do some other little tiny little mods that don't wreck the system. And like I said, you put pennies into the the knob itself, so it makes it gives it a better weight. But you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to spin the knob and have it spin forever like you would on a on a real tempest uh, knob, right? So that's why uh, I would want to hack this only with the keyboard hack is because then you get in there and do that. And guess what is in there? There's also a hidden ROM in that super system. And it is super breakout. Interesting. Yes. And I can see why with that standard knob, you wouldn't want to try to do super breakout. So I realize why they left that off of one of the selectable games. Mm-hmm. So you could tab down, you can say load new ROM, and then you'll see Super Breakout is actually one of the ROMs in there. But the thing that people don't like about the clicks is that each click moves the spinner knob X amount of space. So you get one click, it moves, I don't know, 16 pixels or two inches or some, you know some number. Right. So every time it clicks, you're moving a certain amount of space on the screen. Trying to play a paddle game like that, well, just like trying to play the paddle game on Major Havoc, because Major Havoc actually has a very, uh, (laughs) one of the hardest breakout games ever to play because it's like two inches high, the breakout game. So your paddle is literally uh, like two inches away from the blocks you're trying to break out of. Um, But you do that in the very, very first screen to try to get some points and more something or another. Uh, all I know save, is that... Save that for later, because I, I want to talk about Major Havoc myself. Yes, yes, we will. Yeah. We will, but in I'm future saying episode, that, Future yes, episode, future episode. Future episode. But I'm, what I'm saying, trying to say is that trying to use that the standard spinner knob for breakout is difficult. Sure. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. That's why I understand why they didn't want to do Super Breakout, but uh, I think it's fantastic that it's on there. Quality of life mods, not gutting the thing and exactly. just putting a shitty Dell in there to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, again, I stay, st- I stick with the fact that if you're going to buy this and alter it, what is the point? I only see people that are buying the Street Fighter 2 set that are really doing that type of mods. Now, you might have to put something else in there if you want to put a different type of spinner knob or a different type of rollerball. And I can see right. that. I can see, I can see wanting to put similar year stuff on there. Like maybe you want to put Capcom Bowling. That uses the trackball. Trackball, yeah. yeah. You know, you brought up Major Havoc, and we've touched on this on previous episodes, but, like, the choices that are being made show that there is, like, a certain level of care. It's the it's the Definitely. exact opposite of what we saw with the Sony Classic. It's Yeah. Uh, these people are spending their time, money, effort, uh, engineering, R&D, to come up with these control decks for these systems. Now, you know, I get it with, for me, the the Street Fighter thing wasn't my flavor either. I'm just like, all right, there's two versions of Street Fighter on here, the normal and the, the fast one. You got two controls, but 
that was a huge deal back in the day when that yeah. game came out in the arcade. It makes complete sense. I uh, would, another one was the Galaga. I would love that. I would love to have the Street Fighter if it was stereo. Now, mm, yeah, that, yeah. that's the other reason to put a pie in there is to mount another speaker and maybe keep it Street Fighter. You know, that's what I would right. do. I wouldn't turn it into a fucking killer instinct machine <laughs> with lights and, and, and you know, all this oh, other type of shit going so on. Everybody thinks they're so clever with those light-up buttons. Oh, it's, I, I, to, unless it's like Crystal Castles had a light-up trackball. Mm-hmm, some mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. cameras that Satan's Hollow, yeah. Tron, yeah. Well, they had lights. But to have eight buttons and a joystick lighting up in your face with the neon blue for that no reason a, whatsoever. That is a home project MAME cabinet, right. period. That's what right. people do when they build MAME cabinets. They put those yeah. flashy things on there. That's not what We're this grumpy should old be. But I know, but that's <laughs> like, you know, that's not what this should be. That's not what you it is. Rec- you uh, should have some restraint, friend. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yes, you're right. The Street Fighter 2, like I said, I, w- I would buy that even if it's just for Street Fighter because that was the game. That was so awesome that you would drive miles to play. Right. But it, it's not stereo. And that was the that was another part of that thing. The 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 cue sound on that. So that's sad for me that it doesn't have the two speakers. The other machine that you, you started to mention was uh, the Walmart exclusive, which was Galaga and Galaxian? Galaxian and it was Galaxian and Galaga. Yeah, it, and two games for the same three hundred dollar price tag. Yeah, and it's not I, even Galaga eighty eight. You know that. Yeah, that would have made it interesting. I think both cabinets would have benefited from. And again, you know, I I understand the limitations and the business aspect of it, but both cabinets would have benefited from some sort of third game on there. So for your fucking Mappy. Exactly. Mackie and Pac-Man. Pac-Man had two pa- two Pac-Man games. Pac-Man and Super Pac-Man. Super Pac-Man. For all super- of, of all games, Super yeah. Pac-Man. Super Pac-Man. I mean, honestly, and you know, you might laugh, but like Pac-Man and Pac-N-Pal would be a lot there more interesting go. to me. Or and Mappy. Um, and Mappy. Fuck everybody. Right. Mappy needs to be on anything with Pac-Man. <laughs> it's same okay. screen orientation, uh, same board. Just make it happen. Yeah. Rally X, you know, throw Rally X in there. Yeah, who knows? Um, you know, maybe if you get the keyboard on there, maybe those ROMs are on there. Who knows? You know, I, I don't know. Um, but I, like with the Street Fighter cabinet, if it was Street Fighter Two, Street Fighter Two Turbo, and the original Street Fighter, just as a Ooh, yeah. curiosity or yeah, novelty, yeah, yeah. that'd be interesting to mm-hmm. me. You know? Yeah. But alas, it's not. And. If those two aren't your flavor, or three, if you want to include the Pac-Man game, that's fine, because there's other options that they're offering now at the same price point where you get more games. Or with this deluxe cabinet, for just a little bit more money, you kind of get the best of the best. When you told me that Walmart had the $200, I immediately went on there and looked for Rampage, because that's a a game I, I wouldn't mind. Having and it has with. Gauntlet on there as well. It has Gauntlet and it has the yeah. three uh, three control p- <laughs> sticks, which I cannot imagine. Crowd around, everybody. Yes. What I would really love, if it not only had Gauntlet, but it also had Dandy on there. Oh, I don't know. What's Dandy? <laughs> dandy it was, is what Gauntlet was based on. <laughs> dandy. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Dandy came out. Did it come out? Two years or three years before Gauntlet, yeah, that was a, that was a Atari game. 
Did you find anything on Dandy? Yeah, I found Dandy. Isn't Dandy? <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 it's spelled just like you'd expect it to be spelled. <laughs> D-A-N-D-Y. You know what a Dandy is, right? No, what is, is oh, that a type sort of, of slang? It's a type of a gay person. There's all different oh, types. Oh, really? Like twink, oh. dandy. Uh, dandy yeah. is like a sort of like a gentleman gay uh, fella. Gotcha. And uh. Uh, dapper, you know, he's dapper. And, you know, Would they crawl in dungeons? Yes, they crawl in dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Gauntlet, except that it looks like an original Atari 2600 game. Yeah, I think it was developed for the uh, Atari's line of 8-bit computers. Mm -hmm. It also showed up on like the Amstrad and the Commodore 64 and even the Spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> but but surprisingly, what was it, two years later in the arcade, you had Gauntlet out of that. And that, that was, Gauntlet was always crowded, dude. Yeah, it was it's always that, crowded. On a future episode, I'm going to talk about my recent pilgrimage to a fun spot, but I wasn't planning on talking about Gauntlet. But Gauntlet is is a perfect machine when you have a group that you're going to an arcade with, yep. because especially if there's three of you, mm -hmm. you can maximize that one credit that you put into the machine. Yeah, it got to the point where it's like the place is closing, we need to leave, and they <laughs> shut the machine off on us because it's just like, well, we're not just going to walk away. I mean, we haven't <laughs> died yet. They shut the arcade down around <laughs> us. They're like, guys. It's Christmas Eve. Please leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for joining us. I hope that you like us. You're welcome. And, okay. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.